Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Jessica Cox, thank you so much for joining us for the Mike Litton Experience. Like we talked about before we hit record, everybody has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, we're going to actually have you tell us your life story. So we'd like to know, start with where you were born, go all the way up to today, and then we can talk about anything that you're working on for today, and then anything that obviously you're working on for the future. Will that work? That works. I'm so honored to have you, and I'm so looking forward to our time together. So share with us where you were born. I was born, I was born in a small town uh, in Southern Arizona called Sierra Vista. Okay. And it is all a small, sleepy town. Now it's grown significantly, but yeah. some people know it as from Fort Huachuca, one of the oldest military bases in Arizona. Okay. So it's right by the base. Correct. So did you grow up there? I did. I was born at Sierra Vista Hospital and I grew up there, had a brother and a sister and many friends. It was a wonderful community to grow up in. What was your favorite thing about growing up there? One of the favorite things that I loved to do was just to spend time with my friends. Yeah. Uh, I know it was a small town that I grew up in, but that made the relationships all the more meaningful. So I loved that about uh, being in the small town growing up and always having people around and having something to do, even though many people thought it was a very boring city. But when you have great friends, you 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 have a lot to do. That feeling of community, right? Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. So who was the most influential person to you growing up? The most influential person for me was... Uh, a combination because okay. I had phenomenal parents that I was blessed with. Uh, I had wonderful uh, siblings, of course. I now um, have a wonderful husband. But growing up, I didn't know of anyone who was like myself, someone who lived life without arms and yeah. lived life very uh, fulfilling in a very fulfilling way until I met uh, a mentor in my life. And her name was Barb. And Barb, lost her arms at the age of three and learned to adapt to using her feet in the same way that I've learned to use my feet from not having arms since birth. Right. And her example to me, when I first met her, she was a young mom to two little boys. She had a husband and had a beautiful home and was doing all these things. It really showed me that I'm not alone. And that if she could do all that, I can do that too. So that made a profound impact on me meeting my first mentor. That's awesome. See, that's part of why we do what we do. We're all about inspiring and motivating people. And we know that people are going to hear your story and they're going to be inspired and motivated, right? Just like you felt like if she could do that, I can too. That's that's part of what we bring to our audience. So in high school, what was your favorite subject? In high school, I loved math the most, I think. that was, It was 
it was definitely a combination probably of, of, of math and um, anatomy, um, physiology. So, but math was something about numbers. Like I still remember my first childhood phone number. So I had this connection with numbers um, and still do. And for me, that was just great at figuring out how math works. Oh, I love that. So after high school, where did you go? After high school, I immediately jumped into college and the University of Arizona. I was oh, born and raised in Arizona. You're a wildcat. So I'm a wildcat, yes. I love it. So what was your favorite subject in college? In college, I really thought that I was gonna go out there and become a medical doctor. Okay. It was a goal since I was five years old to become a doctor. And and it wasn't until college when I realized. I don't know if this is for me. I took a couple psychology classes and I was hooked. I was oh. really hooked about how we get a lot of credit to the way we process things and the way we think mm -hmm. and that whole uh, impact on, on the way we live our lives. So that caught my attention as a sophomore in college and I changed my major to pursuing psychology and um, then ended up getting my degree in that. So let me ask you a question. What was it about psychology that you loved? Was it the way people thought? Was it the opportunity to influence people? I think a combination, again, uh, the, the ability to influence people into a growth mindset, mm -hmm. into optimism, uh, regardless of circumstance, but just keeping the right frame of mind and perspective, that whole uh, definitely contributing um, the way that we live our life to how we think and how we can be optimistic about challenges. That was a huge part of why it attracted me. So the importance of attitude, right? And mindset. Correct. Yeah, see, yes. that's, been a, that's been a theme through your entire life. That's why I'm so excited to have you here. You're such an inspiration and I'm so honored to be with you. So you graduate, you graduate at University of Arizona with a degree in psychology, right? Then where do you go? Yes. So after I graduated the University of Arizona, I thought to myself, what's next? And I, obviously if I wanted to pursue psychology, I needed to get a PhD or a master's. And I didn't want to do any more schooling at that point. I was pretty much, I'm finished and ready to move on. Yeah. So I decided to become an entrepreneur and pursue a career as a speaker, motivational speaker. And that meant starting my own business. So I did everything to line up the foundation for a corporation, um, me being self-employed. And it has worked wonders over the years. Uh, it gave me opportunity to do things that I would have never thought. Um, when I speak to audiences, it, it really brings about opportunity, like the opportunity to fly a plane. And that came about because I was speaking. Awesome. So let me ask you this. You decide to go into public speaking. You start a corporation, right? Mm -hmm. How do you get into speaking in public? Do you start rattling people's cages? Do you start making phone calls? How did you get started in your speaking career? I think that's the million dollar question that so many people ask who want to become speakers, professional speakers, sharing stages uh, with a lot of these well-known speakers we know, like Tony Robbins and Mel Robbins and, and Zig Ziglar and the big time names. Um, but starting is not always easy at first. You have to kind of develop um, 
uh, a resume of speaking experiences. So it really started off with speaking anywhere and everywhere and at times not being paid because you're trying to build up your resume. And the more you speak, the more opportunities you get. So it was really kind of starting that flame. Um, And for me, it meant getting the word out that I'm available to be uh, there for people's events and speaking. And so for me, it was about marketing it correctly so that people were aware of it. Let me ask you this. When you started, you mentioned that you that you did speaking thing, you know, speaking events or opportunities that where you didn't get paid, that kind of thing. Give us an example of of those. Where did you go? Where did you speak? Who did you speak in front of? That kind of thing to get mm-hmm. every, get the ball rolling to build up your resume. Well, one of the things that I uh, became aware of is the Rotary Club the Mm -hmm. Rotary Clubs, because there's multiple in each city. And that's an opportunity to speak to business leaders and people who are movers and shakers in a town or a city. And and so I thought, well, let me get my start at at a Rotary Club. And that's when the invitations came in to speak there and to speak, for example, at places I didn't get paid to speak at, even going to like nursing homes where a lot of elderly are lonely and they want someone to talk to them. Mm -hmm. So even those opportunities in themselves, just going into the cafeteria of a nursing home and speaking and sharing and just having that stage time, regardless of where it is, um, gives you that kind of credibility and that feeling of of confidence to speak. And and practice, right? So it gives you an opportunity to to practice your craft and, and perfect it and that type of thing, right? Yes, that's right. Because no one is I mean, born a speaker, it takes practice and it takes, <laughs> it takes uh, resilience. Well, public speaking is the, is actually more feared by, by the public than death. How did you overcome that? How did you overcome the, the inherent stage fright that everybody feels when they're going to speak in public? Well, what's interesting for me is, yes, it took a lot of courage and my whole life I've been a risk taker. I love doing things that really stretched my courage. That was ingrained in me since childhood. Um, But what was surprising is that I felt like many times I was misunderstood. Mm -hmm. As a woman without arms, a lot of times people thought, you know, felt sorry for me or didn't think I was capable of doing certain things. So speaking and sharing my life story on stage and how I adapt and do everything, do more than most people do, really gave me this sense of being understood. So it was worth overcoming the fear to be able to have people understand that I live my life differently, but I'm not limited. So kind of set the record straight, right? Exactly. So how did that feel when you realized that you were being understood for the first time? How did that make you feel? I still remember my first speech. I was speaking to a group of seventh graders, and this was just even before college. This was when I was in high school as a sophomore, and I just went to speak to seventh graders. And after I shared my life, they came up to me and told me things about how inspiring I was and how wonderful it was to hear my story. And I was like, wow, really, this this feels good. It's making them feel good about themselves and what they're capable of. And it's making me feel understood because my whole life I went out to public places and people would stare and ask questions and be curious and not always, they weren't always nice about it, but this was helping me feel like they see me as 
a human being and as someone who can achieve great things. So you felt like you were inspiring them? Yes. Awesome. It was definitely a, a very rewarding feeling knowing that what I do on everyday basis and my normal can help inspire other people. Absolutely. So were, did you say there were seventh graders? Yes, they were just seventh graders. Um, and they were they were labeled as children with extra challenges themselves. Oh, okay. So, um, uh, and, and I don't always like using labels like at risk, but uh, these were students which everyone has challenges. And, and, I, and I believe this particular group had an extra set of challenges. Well, I, I, don't, I don't like labels either. I, I totally agree with that. I don't like labels either. Um, the thing is, there are children out there that you can reach. And there are children out there that you can reach that you don't even know you're reaching, right? Because mm -hmm. people suffer in silence. We've talked about this a lot on the show. A lot of people don't tell you what's really going on with them. And that's why, you know, I was, I was on social media the other day and I basically said, look, I don't know who needs to hear this, but find somebody today and thank them. Find somebody today and tell them they're doing a good job, right? And it came from an outing that I had with my family where I walked up to a guy that I literally have seen for weekly for probably two years. And I just walked up to him and I patted him on the back and I said, you're doing a great job. He nearly started crying. You never know what just a little encouragement, a smile, a speech, right? You never know when you're going to reach somebody. And you and and you know this, right? When mm -hmm. the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Yes. I mean, you're living proof of it, right? So you start your speaking career and you start off with rotary clubs and schools and nursing homes and that kind of thing. And then how does it how does it blossom? How does it how does it go to where it is today where you're one of the top inspirational motivational speakers in the country? Well, it took many years. It's been 18. It was wow. hard to believe it uh, that I, when I officially started my for-profit business as a speaker yeah. and I've been to 29 countries. I've been in countries where English is not spoken as the primary language. So there's a translator on stage with me, or there's a translation booth in the back of the room and everyone's wearing headsets to understand what I'm saying. Um, so all these experiences are what make me who I am. And if you put in the time and the effort, uh, it's amazing how they shape you because you're learning under pressure. It's not exactly totally relaxing to be in front of, you know, 5,000 people. So you're really putting yourself out there and learning under pressure, how to speak, how to pace the stage and not be moving too much how to not be distracting, how to pause during a speech, how to change the voice levels to enhance a story that you're telling. These little secrets you just learn by doing. And you also ask those who've done it before what their advice is. Yeah. So I've spoken, I've actually been a professional public speaker and I'm a competitive public speaker and all that most of my life. And one of the things that I've learned is silence is golden which seems, mm -hmm. and and it seems to be the antithesis, right? All of a sudden, 
you're you're literally speaking in public and your job is to speak and the actual silence is the most important part it's kind of hard to understand but it has an impact it sure does when did you first learn the importance of silence um I think for me to really capture the importance of silence was to put myself in the shoes of the audience. And I know when I'm listening to a speaker, the moment they're silent, all of a sudden my ears are listening even more powerfully. I'm all of a sudden frozen in my seat, anticipating what's going to be said next. Yeah. So you, it captures you. They got your attention. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, so you start speaking, it grows. You've been doing this now for 18 years, 29 countries. What was it like to be in a country where they don't speak English and you're doing your speech and then a tr you do a part of your speech and then the translator has to translate and then you go back to your speech? What was that like? I will say it really interrupts the flow when you have to have an interpreter on stage um, and not only that, but some cultures don't follow like idioms and humor, humorous comments that are made. And I always like to bring some levity to my speaking, but some of these humorous attempts are not translated because yeah. it's lost in translation. Yeah. And so it, it's a very uncomfortable feeling when you don't have the audience with you because of that barrier of language. But I also realize that when I'm up there, what's more important than maybe the exact words that are coming out of my mouth is also the energy that I'm putting out there. Yeah. And um, standing there, the presence, presence is more than just a uh, language. So I think for me, I remind myself the most important thing to do is to be present. Yeah. Maybe this is not flowing the way in which I intended. I'm not getting the audience um, following along in the same way I hoped. But just being present is the most important thing. I agree with that. So let me ask you this, and I ask everybody this that's a that's a public speaker. What do you believe? So, so there are going to be people that are going to listen to this podcast, and they're going to be inspired to become a motivational speaker or become a speaker, period, right? And speak in public. What's the secret sauce? What's the one thing that they need to know about being a public speaker in your mind? So here's the thing. I don't think it's one thing that they need to know because it's multiple things kind of all mixed in there together and multiple things on certain times. And, and you know, it's, all, it's about timing. It's about um, there's a lot of factors. The one thing I think if I had to narrow it down is to know that that your message needs to be heard. And if you have purpose, then I think it'll get you through the challenges that the speaking business presents itself with and being on stage I, presents itself with. with sure so i had an epiphany one day and i had all i had been speaking for a very very long time but i had a, i had 10 minutes notice and i was going to be speaking in front of a very very large audience very large audience the largest one i'd ever spoken in front of and the speaker that was supposed to speak got sick and Ooh. so they came to me and they said you're it I thought I was going to lose my mind. I was backstage having a panic attack and all that. All of a sudden, I had an epiphany. And 
I immediately calmed down and I immediately got to a place to where I was, I was okay doing this. And the epiphany was this, if I cared more about my audience than I did about myself, we were going to be okay. And it helps me every single time I get up in front of a group and it doesn't matter who the group is. If I care more about them, and more about them getting the message that I'm trying to relay. I don't have stage fright. I don't have, I mean, everybody has butterflies and all that kind of stuff, right? But I just don't feel that panic. I don't feel that concern. And it literally releases me to where I'm now more effective. And they get it. Mm -hmm. They flat out get it. Because I'm coming from a mindset. I'm coming from an attitude of, I want to give back. I want you to walk out of here better than when you walked in. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I don't know if that helps, I, but no, I love it. That's, that's exactly right. You learn. It's not about you up there. It's about your audience. And the sooner you learn that the sooner things will just be easier for you. Yeah. And that's something I had to learn too. And it took, you know, many years to figure that out that I'm not going to be caught up in my head with my notes, with everything that I need to do, because it's not about me. Right. It's about every person that in that audience. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Okay. So 18 years, what an amazing career. So we're up to today, right? What's the thing that you're doing now that juices you the most? What's the thing that you're doing now that you just you can't sleep at night and you totally look forward to. Oh, um, it's pretty exhilarating to be on stage. Yeah. And you're talking about my speaking. What get what is what I wake up to and get excited about when it comes to speaking invitations? Well, actually, anything, just, anything that you're anything. doing today. What's the thing that that gives you the most excitement today? Today, after speaking, so um many places when I get to speak there are occasions when I um have a peek into a country for example what it's like to live with a disability and it's created a passion for me to give and empower those with disabilities yeah. because people come up to me when I'm speaking and they say you know this is my life story I didn't have the same opportunities you did and then um, you know, people come out of the woodworks and they're like, wow, you know, we have a similar challenge. I have a disability like yours. And when I hear all these stories, it really reminds me of the importance of what I can do to serve those people. And that is what I love is so I started a nonprofit as well that helps people with disabilities with a focus on those without arms. And there's nothing greater than be able to do and be be that example of what I would have loved to have seen when I was growing up, when I wondered if anyone else could relate to me yeah. and, and to do that, that's, that's really, I, I would, I could do that forever and be passionate about it. I love it. That is so cool. So what's the name of your foundation? My foundation is right footed foundation international because okay. I am right footed and it helps you people are. get on the right foot. Yes. I love it. So right footed, Foundation International. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we're going to put a link to that website, by the way, on, on your description. Thank you. You're welcome. We're happy to do it. So is there, so is there anything that you're working on for the future that you'd like to talk about? 
Well, we are in the midst of engineering an airplane, a building an airplane that has never been built before with the team of amazing volunteers. And I just want to make a light mention about that, that it will be an airplane four seater that can be flown with feet alone in the left pilot in command seat. So that's an exciting adventure, just building a plane that's never been done before, right. giving uh, feedback on how they can make it better, the team of the builders, uh, the engineers. It's a, a daunting task, but it's been pretty incredible, and that's what we're in the middle of right now. Um, it's exciting. I'm excited for you. So when you get that finished and you're ready to unveil it, will you come back on and talk about it? Yes, I hope to. We'd love That'd be to great. Have you. We'd love to have you. Let me ask you this. Is there anything else that you'd like to cover before we wrap up? No, thank you so much for this opportunity to share with your listeners. And I hope that something speaks to them um, when they do hear my story, that they can do great things, uh, that they can, they just don't, you know, they need to not give up right. and say, I can't. Yeah, I totally agree. And you're such an inspiration. I'm so honored that we had our time together and I thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. Thank you, Mike. Take care. It was awesome. Thanks, Jessica. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760. 